Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, January 12th. Happy Feast of Fabulous Wild Men Day, which is another one that ought to be called Bible Y'all Paul Day. No, really, stop laughing, because apparently this holiday is for feasting your eyes on handsome, hunky men who are both fabulous, which, wait till you see my t-shirt collection, and wild, which, I mean, sometimes I only measure once. I know, right? There's this book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge about manhood with a companion book he wrote with his wife called Captivating about femininity, both from a biblical perspective. Me and the Squaw have given away several of these books and think everybody ought to read both of them, especially couples who want to understand each other. Or if you're trying to be in a couple and can't figure out why you ain't, you young fellas especially ought to read the manhood book. Because for decades, the B system has been systematically replacing real masculinity with toxic masculinity. And sorry to say, we now got a shortage of real men. But we're overrun with gamma males, like Bill Clinton, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, and the Cuomo brothers. And pretty much everybody the TV ever said was a role model. Being a real man or a real woman don't just happen. It takes work to achieve. So I guess it's no coincidence that today is also Work Harder Day. Something else that takes work is sticking to your New Year's resolution. But guess what? Today is also Stick to Your New Year's Resolution Day. Weird. It's like the calendar people's reading my mail. Statistically, by now, the second week of January, about a third of folks who made New Year's resolutions have already bailed. Especially them, I'm gonna read the Bible this year resolutions. And I get it, it ain't always easy. But stick with me, because this Bible thing is going to blow your mind. Our reading for today is Genesis 26, 17 through 27, 46, Matthew 9, 1 through 17, Psalm 10, 16 through 18, and Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. So if y'all are ready, somebody else who's done a lot of good work on the whole boy-girl thing is Alison Armstrong. She's all over YouTube. Look her up. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 11th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 24, 52 through 26, 16. And when we left off, Abraham's unnamed servant had traveled back to his brother Nahor's place to find a wife for Isaac, or better said, to find Isaac's wife, because it couldn't possibly be anybody but Rebekah. Really, she was already his wife before any of them were ever even born. And I don't know how old she was, but she couldn't have been more than a teenager, because she was grown, but still a virgin and not yet married off. And one commentary said she was three years old when they were married. But I don't see how that's possible, because a three-year-old couldn't even lift a water pot, let alone carry it around. Nor could she water all those camels and have adult conversations with everybody. That sounds like one of those experts that'd rather discredit the Bible than teach it. One of those wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus was telling us about. Anyway, the family don't know what to think, and I get the impression they're back and forth on whether they want to let her do this, because at first it sounds like they're on board, but then they say, stay here for a while, at least 10 days, and then she can go. Or maybe in 10 days we can get out of it somehow. Or we can kill you and take your money and keep the girl, I'm sure went through somebody's mind. But the servant is like, look, either do it or don't. So they ask Rebecca what she wants, and she's into it, so they go. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister, 
Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. So somebody spit in prophecy. And I want to point out, they said, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. They're talking about the seed of the woman again. Anyway, verse 61, and Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. So she had staff too, which she took with her. So they head back. And about the time they get to Lahiroi, which is down south in Canaan, where Isaac lived, because he had his own place down there, and didn't live full-time with his dad. He was back and forth between the camps. About the time they get there, Isaac's outside praying, and here they come. And Rebecca's like, who's that dude? And the servant says, well, that's your boy. So Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. And Chuck Missler says, lighted off actually means fell prostrate before because it was against the rules to stay seated on a camel if somebody of higher rank was walking. And I'm sure he's right, but I choose to believe that she jumped off to number one put on a veil, but also because she ran up to meet him. And it says light it off because she was dainty, because this is the Bible's rom-com. So let's review. Abraham the father needs a bride for his only son Isaac. So he sends out his representative in his stead, in his spirit, if you will, to gather her up. So he goes to get her and pays a price for her, at which point she's betrothed but not yet married. And notice after that simulated sacrifice on Mount Moriah, the son is not mentioned again, and only the spirit is at work, until the son meets his bride. And she's not brought all the way to the father's house, but Isaac runs out to meet her at the lower border, basically, as if to say in the first heaven. So, does any of that sound familiar? Anyway, chapter 25. So Sarah has passed away. And Abraham gets remarried to a girl named Keturah. And they have six children and some grandkids. And I'm not going to go over all of them now. But these kids went off to become nations also. Because that's what God said would happen. That Abe would be the father of many nations. So study all that on your own because there's gold there. And we're also told Ishmael dies at 137 years old in his own land over by Egypt. And this is where we're also told Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. But it turns out she couldn't have children either. So Isaac prayed and she conceived. And it must have been a difficult pregnancy because it says the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord about this. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and one shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. So that does not bode well for their upbringing. But she has twins. And verse 25 says, And the first came out red all over like an hairy garment. And they called his name Esau, which means hairy. And after that came his brother out. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob, Yah-Akab, which means may God protect him. Literally, may he God protect. But it rhymes with the Hebrew for heel catcher. And the implication here is kind of a negative one. The word Ahab means deceitful or insidious, as if to say he's always going to be trying to get one over on his brother, or anybody, really. And it turns out that's true. He is kind of like that. And I know all that sounds weird, but Hebrew is a weird language. They think in images. Like the squaw says, to them, words are things. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bare them. Verse 27 says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So it kind of makes him sound like a bit of a mama's boy. And there's trouble brewing already. And verse 29 says, And Jacob sawed pottage, which means he cooked some stew. 
And Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me some of that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, which means red. But it's a noun as opposed to the word Adam, which is the adjective red. So now he's got two names. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. His right of inheritance as firstborn is what he was talking about, which he should not have done, but he'll catch her and all. And Esau is really hungry, so he does it, which he really should not have done. <laughs> and verse 34 says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. And I agree. I don't care how hungry you are. A bowl of soup is not worth the inheritance of Abraham. But he apparently had no regard for it. And I'm sure Jacob knew that. Or Esau had been told the prophecies and knew he was never going to get it anyway. But I don't think so because of something that happens later on. Anyway, chapter 26, there was a famine in the land again, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar, probably to find food, but probably not the same Abimelech from chapter 20, because these events were about 90 years apart. And the name may have been a title, like Pharaoh or Caesar. And in 1 Samuel, there's a guy named Achish who was also called Abimelech. But in verse 2, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Same one I told your dad all about. And if you obey, you'll get the same promise he got, that your seed will be a great nation in this land. So he did. He stayed in Gerar. And guess what happens? <laughs> the men of the place asked him of his wife. And this bonehead says, She is my sister. For he feared to say, She is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca, because she was fair to look upon. <laughs> so basically, Abe's life all over again. But one day, Abimelech looks out a window, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebecca, his wife. And if you're not sure what that means, email me and I'll explain it to you. <laughs> so they're busted, and the king calls Isaac out on it. And he's like, yeah, my dad taught me that trick. And Abimelech said, dude, the penalty for adultery is death. What if one of my guys might have lightly fooled around with thy wife? and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. Well, maybe don't lightly lay with any girls. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. But fortunately, this time, it had not yet come to that, and the king orders everybody to steer clear of Rebekah. But Isaac sticks around and ends up getting rich with flocks and herds and servants and such. And the Philistines were envious and filled in all of Abraham's wells that he dug when he was down there. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And that's where we stop reading. So, again, cliffhanger. And I just want to highlight some things. I mean, we have Isaac, the son of promise, and he had to ask God for children. And we see in James 4, 2, ye have not because ye ask not. And it was God's will that the son of promise would have children, but he had to ask. And there were family problems. Parents played favorites. Jacob takes advantage of his older brother. And even with the Lord appearing to Isaac, he lies to save his own skin. God is still faithful to his word because Isaac gets a hundredfold return on his crops. So God has a plan. He wants us to participate in his plan. Participation is voluntary. God is faithful regardless of our choices. He said he would bless and he does. He wants relationship. And miraculous things don't guarantee that. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 8, 18-34. And when we left off, Jesus was at Peter's house, and everybody and their brother crowded around outside to be healed, which fulfills prophecy. So I guess the next day, he decides to cross the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds. On the way to the boat, a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, 
I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But Jesus can see through this guy, and he says, dude, be careful what you wish for, because I don't even have a house, a bird nest, or a hole in the ground to lay my head. And another dude said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father, which was a colloquialism back then, which basically meant, I'd like to go with you, but I got responsibilities. It's a way of shining somebody on, as if to say, like, once my dad dies, I'll be free to do other things. But Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury the dead, which is deep. And when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. So it was either just the core group or as many of the crowd as could got in their own boats and followed him across the Sea of Galilee, which we would call a lake. It's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. It's only about 8 by 13 miles, but it's 141 feet deep. So that's pretty sporty. And while they're out there, a storm blows up. And that can be scary. I've been out in the Gulf at night when the storm blew up and it happens fast and we could not get in fast enough. And everybody on that little boat is terrified, except Jesus. He's asleep. (laughs) So they wake him up, and he's like, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and sea, and there was a great calm. And they were all very impressed. (laughs) So they get to the other side, into the country of the Gergesene. And out of this graveyard comes running up two guys possessed with devils that had been making trouble there for some time. Exceeding fierce, the Bible says, so that no man might pass by. And these devils recognized Jesus, because devils do. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Because they also know it's not time for that yet. So the devils know more about Scripture than most pastors, apparently. And the devils are like, Look, if you're going to cast us out, can we at least go into that herd of pigs over there? And the first thing to notice is that devils and demons defer to Jesus' authority. And that's important. The second is, apparently, they really, really want to be inside a living body. And some folks say that's because demons are really the spirits of the Nephilim, that demons and fallen angels are not the same thing, because angels don't really care about possessing bodies. They can, is my understanding, but it's not a need like it is for the demons. But y'all can chase that down later on your own. What blows my mind about this is, Jesus has mercy on the demons and lets them go into the pigs. I mean, pigs are unclean, which indicates this was not a Jewish community. But still, that level of love and grace for demons, for Pete's sake, is amazing to me. Imagine the love he has for his bride. The pigs, however, are not on board with this. And they all immediately commit suicide by drowning themselves. The pig farmers, who'd apparently been standing there watching all this go down, all of a sudden decided anywhere else was better than here. And they ran all the way back to town and told what happened. And the town was equally unprepared to handle this and came out and ran them all off. And I want to go back to the storm and Jesus sleeping in the boat. And they wake him up in a panic. And his response is, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And it sounds like a little bit of faith can rebuke the winds and the sea if we don't give in to fear. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 10, verse 1 through 15. And that's probably a Psalm of David, but the experts don't know for sure. And he's praying for some relief from persecution, and not just for himself, but for all that are persecuted. He says, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? He doesn't, but you might be forgiven for thinking that. He says, For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous, whom the Lord abhorreth. And the idea here seems to be taking pride in your own sin and rebellion. Like, I know this girl who's always posting on Facebook about what a bad girl she is. And she's really not. She's just regular. And I know she doesn't really understand what she's saying, but bragging about your sinfulness, you're on some shaky ground. 
And pretty much this whole psalm is David running down the wicked for being wicked. Verse 6, he says, He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. And that's stubbornness, and I get it. But yeah, you will be in adversity. If not in this life, certainly in the next. And verse 11, He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Yeah, they do say that, and they're always wrong. In physics, there's a thing called the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle that says the position and the velocity of a subatomic particle cannot both be measured exactly at the same time. You can know where it is or how fast it's going, but not both, because measuring one changes the other. Except God can. He knows everything about you right down to your photons. So don't think you're getting away with anything. And like usual when David prays, he closes by praising God for his power and judgment. And I'm going to go with the first part of verse 15. Lord, break the arm of the wicked. Amen. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, which says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, because nobody's as smart as they think they are, or as you think they are. Instead, fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Walking humbly with God is a key to health and strength. And it's tricky unless we just want to know God. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 12th is Genesis 26:17 through 27:46. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee, and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzath one of his friends, and Phicol the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord." And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink. And they rose up betimes in the morning, and sware one to another, and Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came, and told him concerning the well which they had digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And Esau was forty years old when he took to wife Judith the daughter of Beri the Hittite and Bashamath the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Chapter 27 And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, 
And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father? And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, Thy voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field, which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let the people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. And let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly, and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison, and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, 
and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered him and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. And by the sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Our reading in the New Testament for January 12th is Matthew 9, 1-17. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins? Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye, and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy, and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Our reading in Psalms for January 12th is Psalm 10, 16-18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart, 
thou wilt cause thine ear to hear, to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. And our reading in Proverbs for January 12th is Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And that's all of that for the 12th. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on 2 Timothy 3.1, which says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on what you might call the Lord's third general order, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he warns us all that the latter days will be perilous, with many people filled with all manner of corruption. The fight believers face is to maintain faith in the face of persecution. We are thus charged to be ready at any moment to preach the word, rebuke the seducing spirit of the world, and exhort the lost with sound doctrine that those who can be saved will be. Father, give us the strength and courage to resist the world and do your will in these troubled times. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, Just work on not making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Did I say prostrate or prostate? Because those are very different things. They are very different things, and I'm not sure. I think you said it right, but I'm not sure when you said that. Uh, I'm going to read it again just to be safe. Because the other day I said plaguing around instead of playing around. It didn't catch it. (laughs) I don't know what that is. (laughs) Besides wrong. (laughs) Besides wrong.